one, one of the my colleagues working with me had it, and he going down the ladder, he dropped it into the sea. Oh! Can you imagine that? So, idiot John dives straight in. Oh gosh! Gets it. <laughs> I rescued it, and as I was saying that, I thought, so sharks, sharks, hang on, <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> Hello, my name is Poonam and welcome to Crew Chats podcast where I speak to the people that work behind the scenes in film, TV and theatre. For today's episode, I was joined by retired costume designer John Bloomfield and his wife, retired illustrator, set and costume designer and Wimbledon College of Arts lecturer Anne Beverly. As well as having cultivated their own careers, they frequently collaborated on projects together, such as The Mummy and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Their careers span nearly five decades across theatre, TV and film. John's TV credits include Doctor Who, Poldark, and The Six Wives of Henry VIII, for which he won a BAFTA, and his film credits include Conan the Barbarian, The Mummy Returns, and Waterworld, to name a few. Hello, John, and hello, Anne. Hello, Puna. Nice to meet you both. Thank you. Nice uh, to meet you, too. Likewise. Um, now, you are the husband and wife um, design duo, is what I will refer to you as. John, you've done loads of costume designing, and um, Anne, you've worked with John in tandem on illustrating, and also, in your own right, working in the theatre world as a costume designer and as a set designer as well. Before we met, really, I hadn't done anything on my own yes, since you. we were married. Yes, you have. Have I? Yes, Oh, you well, have. thank you. That's dementia for me. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, Anne does have Alzheimer's and dementia, remember. Anyway. That's okay. That's okay. Hopefully, this will um, we, you'll be able to go back and uh, um, relive yeah. some of those memories of when you first started working, when you first met. So, what I will start with doing is um, just asking you what your respective um, jobs were. For John, for you, um, what does it involve being a costume designer? And then Anne, for you, likewise, what first as your role as an um, illustrator, and then also as a designer in your own right as well. I would say I cannot imagine a job that has more sides to it than being a costume designer. You have to be an artist, you have to be a historian, you have to be literary minded, you have to be dramatically minded, you have to be logically minded, you have to be a diplomat, you have to be an accountant, you have to be a lawyer, and you have to have a huge amount of energy. So it's a good thing to spend a lot of time in the gym. (laughs) Yes, which was a good way of saying when we met, you were reading law. Yes, I was. Yes. <laughs> you then ran away to the theatre. <laughs> <laughs> and what about you? What I did... taught. I actually taught theatre design at the Wimbledon Oh, did theater, you? School of Art, yes. Oh, I was right. a tutor there after I trained there and worked and then came back and worked as a tutor, having tutored John into, <laughs> away from law and into design. Ah. <laughs> One of my best students. Oh, and um, how did you both meet then? Well, we met when I was actually on a, a young designers uh, arts council scheme to actually, they paid the wages for the, the theatre for young designers to actually go to theatres, actual theatres, oh. after they'd trained at college. And I was sent to the Birmingham Rep, which was a very good rep, repertory company. <laughs> and uh, John um, uh, was uh, reading law and to make University. money at Birmingham University. And um, his, his mother discovered this, <laughs> that he could make some money by actually going to the theatre and working in the theatre at night. Doing it up in the flies, mainly? Yes, it was, I think, yes. Ah. In the flies, you know, pulling up scenery and, uh, and all the rest of it. Whereas I was in the design workshop and uh, 
actually worked mainly as a painter there doing the backcloths and all that sort of thing. Um, although I did point out to them that the scheme did say I had to do one show, which was a bit shock horror in rather established establishment. <laughs> and they allowed me to do Look Back in Anger. Um, Derek Jacobi. Oh, wow. Jacobi. Yes. Jimmy Porter. Yes. 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 I think it was his that first, was a, it was his first, his first show. First, well. It was his first thing after university. Yes, he Yes, is. he came out of university, yeah. wanted to be a, uh, an actor. Yes. <laughs> At Birmingham Rapid wow. in that time, we, we, had, we had Derek Jacobi and Albert Finney. Wow. They don't mess about. It, it shows yeah. the status of the theatre. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. The, the, the big thing, to interrupt, Dan, the big thing for me there, uh, I was at university doing, doing law. I sort of thought, is this really for me? Uh, I'd always been good at art at school, but it was never even ever suggested that you had art as a career. And the most interesting thing about earning money at Birmingham Rep was not working on the actual show, but working what they called the changeover. It was three weekly reps, so every three weeks oh. they changed from one show to another. Oh. And so you started work and the, the curtain came down on the Saturday night and you had till Monday to get the whole thing down, stripped out, built up, remade and everything. And I was totally involved with that. And that's how I began to learn all the sort of jobs that there might exist. Um, and then this this gorgeous creature came down the steps from the paint shop. Moment. And I thought, mm, I think this, might be, this I think this might be a career for me. <laughs> Is that kind of obviously working there and seeing the different career options and obviously then meeting Anne there, that kind of made yeah. you sort of transition? Yeah, into I decided I would give it a go when I when I, I finished the university and I got a job as the assistant carpenter building scenery so I was in this I was in the carpentry workshop downstairs that was full time I, you know I'd finished the university then uh, and was upstairs as the assistant designer basically in the in the paint shop and it was a wonderful workshop I mean I learned so much there it was really good Brilliant. pretty soon after about six months of being a carpenter I changed to becoming the prop maker all sorts of um, uh, skills required to do that and I was a prop maker there for a, for a full year um, after that before moving on to other theatres following um, Anne actually. Uh, yes <laughs> yes my, my appointment was it was just for a year. One year yeah. Yes and uh, then they sent me to freeze to death in the Lake District. Anne oh. decided that that was I'd, I'd die. And she I'd actually got a job in television. Which was very looked down on at that time because television was very new and um you know didn't wasn't really to the theatre was a thing and uh, trainee well, designer yeah we're, we're talking we're, we're talking the very early 60s and we first we're met, very old uh, <laughs> 1961 was when we met and, and you know it was black and white television and uh, yes. you know nine inch screen it was early days early days and anyway Anne left Barrow and got a job at um, TWW which was Telly Welly Wales. <laughs> Telly Wales in the West. In Cardiff. In <laughs> Television Cardiff. Wales Telly, in yeah. the West. We all call it Telly Welly Wales. Yes, call it Telly Welly Wales. <laughs> Um, I yeah. was actually born in Wales, so I was attracted to there anyway. Uh, and I looked around and got a job with the Welsh Theatre Company in Cardiff. So Anne was working in Tom Canna Studios in Cardiff, and I was working they for the Welsh Theatre. They followed me. I followed me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not stupid. <laughs> can, can I ask Anne why was it looked down upon to be working in th working in television? Because it was very new at the time. It was still very new, mm. and so it. Its range wasn't really very large. Drama on television in those days was very, very limited indeed. You know, so it was all very well to have she pictures was, for the news, you know, but rather doing. irrelevant, some people thought. It was just as good on the radio. 
Um, but they did very little drama at that point. And it just, it just was, it's just one of those snobby things, you know. But... Ah, it's funny that, isn't it? How that has now changed, well, well it's naturally, it's, it's changed. Well, it has changed, certainly. Changed yes. completely. Yes. Yeah. And what were you doing for Telly Welly Wales? Well, I was an assistant designer. Um, you know, set, so, designer. set designer. Set designer. Yes, yeah, set, yeah, set designer. designer. Because in theatre, you do both sets and costumes. Um, um, usually the sets, the sort of larger thing and um, the costumes would either be modern and, you know, bought or you'd go to a costumier. Um, only the big theatres had workshops that actually, you know, I mean, the clothes for the pantomimes would be made. Yeah. Was, generally speaking, a lot of the plays were modern plays anyway. Anyway, the, so that's where I landed up, but he kept following me, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> So, so not long after that, we got married in Cardiff. We got married in Cardiff. Married in we Cardiff. <laughs> we did. No. We spent six, seven, seven years just working in theatre only. Oh, um, that's a travelling theatre. Yeah, we oh, worked. We, God. We, oh, God, yes. That we was did. hell. We, did, we, we worked for a couple of years at a thing called the Century Theatre, which was literally trucks that folded down at the side and made a theatre. And we, oh, wow. were, we were sets and costume designers between us. We, we, we decided that, um, well, we, 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 moved, we moved to London, well, not quite to London, but to South London. And Sarah we're moving. Sarah was born. Oh, by, yes, yeah, I, would, had, I wasn't. Had kids in, by then. Yes, yeah. I only went up for the setups and That's the right. designing um, and the yeah, setups. Yeah. Um, so you did all that. Because oh, Anna, really Anna, tough work. Anna had become a mother. So she, she really was sitting at home doing you know doing a drawing or just coming up for a few days to look at get, get yeah, things set up yeah, but yeah, it actually worked quite well being a being a, a duo and we would swap drawings from one to the other you know and just we, we've always had a problem Anne's left-handed I'm right-handed so you, and you can tell the way shaded and everything you know suddenly <laughs> that you can tell where, where Anne took over ah, or I took over. The clever thing was actually devising the colour the the mm. fact that we didn't paint the colour well, we actually did collage. Yeah, for some reason. We, some we, times. Uh, yeah, I, I, some big I suddenly help. started doing collage drawings. No, no, um, it, was, it was so we could pass them back and say, I'd, well, it, it, yeah, I'd it say there's a drawing right now, it's red, you yeah. know, or something. Um, and we used to use, use the we, we, weekend magazines in the Observer and the Sunday Times and cut, Very good cut them up, beautiful mm. colours, and just cut and, little bits out. And, and newspaper backing, so um, easy to... Crinkle on. it up so you could you could you yeah, could make so, you could make that. drawings look old very quickly <laughs> and we we started doing that a lot and uh, oh, wow. it was so easy to work between us in that way too. Is that for the designs for theatre? So then obviously Anne could st still be part yeah, of that but process. We, but we, we we continued doing it. Continued that we way. We continued doing yeah, it. Yeah. The whole of Waterworld I designed all with bits of paper and, and colour. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh it's wow. Yeah. 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 Ah, so yeah. I'm still doing drawings as well, of course. But the, but that that sort of very individual collage stucco yeah, drawings which we did, which I, I think nice you both um started in theater and then Anne, you went on to do some television in cardiff and then john when did you tra transition into the screen the screen world whether it be television or film well i was it was 1968 I, i'd been at, working at guildford the assistant designer at guildford doing sets and costumes there uh at the yvonne arno theater in guildford um we were living in mitcham in surrey well i saw an advert no. in the stage that the bbc wanted costume designers I was, you know, a family man by this time. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I think I was earning something like £14 a week at Guildford. And I think that the pay was something, I can't remember, but about £20 a week. I went, I went, I followed the money. 
basically. Yeah. And it was just when colour was just being talked about and coming in. 60, well, it was in, but not, not every not show was in colour. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's when they, and they took expanded. on a whole bunch of costume designers. And I, I got one of those jobs. So, I, so in 1968, I got a job at the BBC. Uh, and we, we all had a one-year contract. And I think most yeah, people got, got kept on afterwards. Think anyway. Um, I did the one-year contract and then and then stayed on, and it was a huge learning curve, um, but also in a very good school because they you know there were people there who did know exactly how to run it and how to do it. And I learned an awful lot in, the, in that first year. Um, yeah, even in just come straight even from in just, college though, and you'd had far more experience. Yes, I had. I had. I had. But even so, even so, it was still it was still. You know, it had not got involved in that whole thing of, you know, when you're in the theatre and it's just one play, and you set up one play and then you don't do anything for it, but when you're doing television, it's you're doing things but day by day, you know, um, scene by scene. So that, that actually, because you were at the BBC, how, how was it being part of that? organization because at that point in the 60s it was I think there was only a couple of channels on yeah the reason I mean the reason that they took on is not only the coming of color but they also started BBC two Two. you know up until then it had just been BBC one and ITV and that's not all day long either even when I first started the first few plays that I did so there was a couple of period things and, and a couple of modern ones and they were black and white and they were done live they weren't recorded at all. So the studio, you were rushing around, you know, the, the ultimate sin was to get, get yourself on camera. And it was terribly <sighs> to do. You know, hiding behind bits of scenery, doing costume changes, scene changes. I mean, ridiculous. To wow. Do. Yeah, really, 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 really. I mean, the, the difference in the, in, in the world now, <laughs> you know, people looking at it now are just thinking horror. At the time, it was just how it was, what we did. But in terms of actually when you're designing, because you know it's airing as something black and white, how, yeah. then when you're making your, cost, your costume choices, how does that factor in? Because you know where well, you're looking at it, you're looking at the colour aspect of it, you're looking at the texture of the fabric and that. But when you're, how are you relaying those bits of information through the screen then to people that are going to be well, seeing it in black and white? Think, I mean, so obviously shade is very important, you know, how, um, how, how powerful it's going to cross on the screen, is, you know, the blacker or the whiter it is. So therefore, and also shape is very important, but actually you, you still have to make it look nice because people find it very upsetting to wear something that doesn't work. You know, so, yeah. you can't, so, you, so you have to think in terms of the actor and, the, um, and indeed the director, and, you know, who, who is basically the audience in that term. And because, you know, if you've got somebody in bright purple and they're trying to say to be or not to be, or, you know, it <laughs> wouldn't work. Wouldn't do that well, no, anyway. that's, the wrong, that's the wrong choice of uh, scene because that would work. <laughs> But yeah, you, you you still have to think in terms of a dramatic um, dramatic sequence. Then you know, dramatically, what would I do? So you you tend to still think in color. Um, but then when color started to come in, then you had to. That's far more of a problem. That's far more of a problem, specifically because certain colors in the very early days were very difficult to cope with. Blue was a nightmare. It would flash out all over the place. For example, the Six Wives of Henry VIII, which was the first big thing I ever did, you will not see a single item of blue in the whole series, ever. That's interesting. I've never, ever thought about that. You've got to go and watch it now. Yeah, that's what I was going to have to go look at it to check out Spot the Blue. That's my number one thing. Try and find some blue in the Six Wives of Henry VIII. All the biggest challenges of then going from black and white to colour, and then actually going from theatre to then television, and then going from that that sort of technology being mixed in there with there too for both of you. 
surprisingly, it's remarkable how similar they are. Yeah. Um, you know, because dramatically, you've got the same impulses. The, the, yeah, the big difference between the screen and the theatre is that the audience moves around. <clears throat> so, you know, it's not always just looking from one point of view. That's mm. more important from the set designer's point of view than it is for the costume designers. But it does make a difference in close up and, you know, how important is the hem? Probably not very important in television. Mm. That's what, so I not, think the makeup so would have not, the most oh, change. Oh, yes, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But you're not going to, you know, you, you, whereas you might well spend a lot of money doing a beautiful decorated hem on a skirt for something that you were doing in a, in a, in a Shakespeare play on, in the National Theatre, you wouldn't do the same thing on television. It just would not be worth it for the brief flash you'd ever get. It would not be worth the money. <laughs> no, not worth the money. <laughs> Being within the budget is yeah, always yeah. So, very so, important. So, so, you, so you get a, a, you make certain you've got an overall good shape, but concentrate all your detail around the shoulders and all that. And, Anything no, that you want to make. Where the close-ups are. That's where the close-ups are. Otherwise, so that, on that, television, that you're very small. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, no, not well, that's hardly the same size as a human being on a stage. No, indeed. And the other difference, and once once we got over doing live plays, the the, the next huge difference between stage and um, and the screen is that you don't do things in order. And you don't do things in sequence. You don't, and you don't do oh, things yeah. all on one day. You know, yeah, you, yeah. You've got some filming outside, and yeah. uh, yes, and then they do yes. the last so, thing <coughs> first because that's yeah. when the actor's available. So, so, <laughs> so suddenly, continuity becomes a huge problem, and that's something it's, you don't Very have to important. think about in the theatre at all. Mm. And then um, you moved on to a career in film as well. And at which point did you then? You're all still sort of you're still sort of working together, partnering up into, in, out through, even though you. Um, yeah. We're looking after your daughter as well. You're still working together, weren't you? Working backstage a lot. Mm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I think Anne pretty soon learned when we when we started doing location work that um, she actually didn't like getting muddy. No, she didn't like getting cold. <laughs> she didn't like getting wet. She said, "I will sit in the design studio. Yes, and you can go." And go. She said, "No, I'll just do a couple of drawings." <laughs> Well, I mean, I obviously I didn't do all that when I was yes, um, yes, occasionally when but, I was but, working, but her, actually working in the her theater. forte was not was not yeah. running around the set. Yeah, it was very cold in Colditch, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then, John, you transitioned into the world of film. How did that happen, and when was your first film? Well, my first film was actually a film version of. Um, Six Rise of Henry VIII, the same oh, actor with Keith right. Michelle. And that's they right. decided they wanted to do a film version of it. So I took six months off from the BBC. They allowed me to do that, to actually do that film. So that was my first movie, was the, the Henry VIII film. And then when I left the BBC, which was in 1969, having joined it in, no, no, I joined it, having in 1979. Yeah, correct. I, I, I actually left in 78, 1978. <laughs> But how was it working together, but then also um, being a couple as well? Because then your life, the life and work life all blend into one that's very blurred. Well, it, it, it actually separated, really. I mean, that's probably when I started um, teaching, which became my much more yeah. uh, and teaching and looking after the children yeah. Um, yeah. really became my career. Yeah, we had two kids by then. Um, and just supporting John if he needed extra support. Mm. Uh, because uh, because of the ridiculous demand, you know, mm. <laughs> um, when it was needed. I mean, I sort of moved out, really, I think. Not that well, I can remember much. Yes, I mean, that time, 
when when the kids were, were young yes yes certainly but by the time we were working in america and that sort of thing you were on oh, film you, know, um, you, you uh, were you were then able to travel much more yeah um, well, they'd grown, sort the, of grown um, up by the, the normal the, the norm if there is ever such a thing in the movies was that Anne would come out for about six weeks and during the academic year you see this well uh, yeah. uh, yes and and tie that in with her work at Wimbledon so because she used to work there in, in certain projects so she would say right I'll be there I'll do this and then I'm going away and then come back oh I, so work, all on, I work on their exhibitions the student yeah. exhibitions well, yes, I see. student projects as well projects too um, rather than I being do. there every day teaching I yes. see okay so, yeah, as a, so as a always involved, but but, but in terms of having to equivalent be there all of a time. university, weren't there all the time? You know, being yeah. setting yeah. up. So that worked quite well. So she travelled the Projects, world too. Yeah. So you've obviously had a very a very long career, both of you. What has been the biggest takeaways from your careers? Takeaway. The thing that I is gratitude for having such an interesting life. How lucky we were. You know, when I when I think about other people's jobs and you know, the diversity of things that we've had to do and had to experience and gone through and had to learn and had to enjoy. So it's diversity that, that, that is the big takeaway for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, you know, setting up work in a country that you don't know and don't and uh, it, yes, it's Yes, but you amazing. like that. Not everybody would I, like oh, that. Oh, no, anybody would. <laughs> no, they wouldn't. Anybody no, you're would. just particularly good at mm. it. So rather, rather than say, oh, one thing I particularly remember and think it's great was, um, was that. The thing that's probably the most fun was actually the Mummy films. They were, I always quite enjoyed them. They're really good, good, good fun to do. Um, I don't know though, was, was I that involved? Less so, you did some lovely drawings. Oh, oh well, I was involved. Yeah, you were involved, <laughs> yes. And you can. And, and, and you came to Morocco, Marrakesh, and <laughs> oh, well, oh, well, there's uh, that's dementia for you. <laughs> In the moment, you did not know Anne has got dementia, but she does. Wouldn't have set, thought that, considering our no. conversation. With The Mummy, though, so how did you get that job? And then what was it like um, in terms of designing it? I went and had an interview with the director, Stephen Summers, in London. It was quite... There were a couple of other designers. It was in a hotel in the West End. And I turned up and thought, I know that face. And <laughs> Oh, yes, I see. So there's a... He was interviewing lots yeah, so of designers. That designer's in before of. me, and that designer's in after me. Well, who will get the job? And anyway, I did get the job, so there you go. Um, For some reason, he liked you. Yes. What have we just done? 1998, what were we doing? Well, we'd done Waterworld, of course. But he'd um, he, he go much more by your interview than yeah. anything else, because obviously you were all equal as far as he was concerned. <laughs> yes. yes. Looking at the stuff. He wanted to know somebody he could work with. Yes. You know. um, uh, obviously, he'd selected a whole group of people who he thought might be able to do it, and, and I was lucky and got the job. Yeah. And, they could have all done and, it. But uh, other times, I've been um, lucky and not got the job. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that happened with, with Robin Hood, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Uh, I went for an interview with um, uh, Kevin Reynolds, the director, oh. and I uh, think it was actually at Shepparton Studios. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, <clears throat> sat down ag again. I saw other people I knew who were being interviewed as well. And yeah, pretty much the first thing that Kevin Reynolds said to me was, now I want this to be really authentic. <laughs> and I just said, no, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine what 13th century Britain would have been like. Uh, yeah, not great. <laughs> No, no, I said, no you don't. I, I, I said, I've read the script. It's a romantic 
it's a romantic version. I can't remember. Yes. Anyway, I said you do not history. want it to be real. And I didn't get the job. And the person who did get the job, who was very capable, I'm not going to name him, uh, tried to make it look authentic. Authentic. Which of course, course he hated. <laughs> absolutely hated. Oh. And and Kevin Cosner said, you know, I'm not this. I'm not this wearing this. <laughs> we were working out in Prague at the time uh, on another job uh, called the Castle, which oh, was with Glenda Jackson and yeah. Omar Sharif. That that. Lot that oh, the money didn't wasn't happen. There. The money suddenly didn't yeah, come through. Yeah, we prepared and <clears throat> we knew we wouldn't get paid. Yeah, and oh. I got a phone call on a Friday night from the line producer, I've forgotten his name, somebody I'd worked with a lot, um, who was the line producer on Robin Hood and saying, we've got a real problem. We would love you to come and take over. We start shooting in three weeks time. <gasps> three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Prague. <laughs> I was shooting at a Shepparton. <laughs> I thought about it. I knew, I knew that film was falling down. And I'd actually given, I'd had several English workers with me out in Prague. And I'd actually paid them their per diems um, that week because we weren't getting any no, money. Really and I thought, this money. is folding. So Very I thought, kind. right, this is your. So I said to them all, right, right, guys, if you can be in Shepparton Studios at six o'clock on Monday morning, you've got a job. <laughs> so we all rushed back left. from Prague, left. <laughs> <laughs> we just abandoned Baradorf Studios and and started work and uh, uh, three weeks later we started I mean we, <laughs> Anne and I never left we slept at Twicken at um, Shepparton oh we never God. left yeah. and, until we got it on. it was an absolute nightmare and the first time I met Kevin Cosner was then at, at Angels the Costumers because the, the film had already done a deal to to basically um, angels would you know, be involved ah, in the costume. You'd want some stuff. Oh, no, yes, yes. But I mean, I actually then instantly set up a workshop at Shepparton with the guys I'd brought back from Prague. Uh, anyway, I went to it and I was really not ready for Kevin Costner. I mean, I had things that were in shapes and just bits of pins, but to have a proper fitting with the stars, not how you do that. So I thought, hmm, in the fitting room at, in Shaftesbury Avenue at Angels in those days was where it was. <laughs> I laid out on the on the chair in the corner of the fitting room a big pair of green tights and a pointed hat and said, Kevin, come on in. Let's see what we can you do for you. You didn't even know his sense of humour, whether I he did. had a sense <laughs> of humour. <laughs> <laughs> he actually, he, he, he was shocked for a second and then he started bursting out laughing. And we've been good friends ever since. <laughs> Um, he did realise we were serious and, and did it properly. And then in just going back to The Mummy, how was it designing that? I mean, obviously, obviously, the thing to do is to you do research as strongly as you can. And, you know, so we did spend time in the British Museum and obviously looking at lots of books and seeing just exactly what books. So that when you're designing something and you're trying to make the points, the points that you're trying to make, if you make anachronisms and mistakes and things do it so you know it and you're doing it for a reason don't do it because of ignorance mm. that's what I always say uh yeah Aung Sun Moon was a tremendous person too especially that 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 naked dress that she wears <laughs> it's all paint and and paint paint and it's paint and Martin Adams actually paint and bits of jewelry around and, and everything that funny story about that I mean it was, um we were setting up to do it and I'd done the drawings and and basically it was it was all paint lines down her body and she's totally naked apart from a little jock strap thing a, a, Oh, wow. That's the wrong word. That's a gentleman. Um, <laughs> yeah. Can you picture the scene I'm talking about? I, I know exactly which scene you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, well, okay. Um, so 
just, I think it was the day before, it was the day, the day before we shot it, I got this urgent message from the head of Universal Studios. Oh. <coughs> there will be no nipples New shown uh, in The Mummy. Yes, they don't, no nudity they wanted. No nipples. No, they didn't. Uh, they just didn't want nipples. They knew there was a nude scene. They didn't want nipples. They wanted, mm. so, oh, yeah. God, God, God. so five o'clock in the morning, well, <laughs> I've got Patricia Velasquez lying on the makeup couch, you know, starting to, starting to paint her. I'm there with a yogurt top. And a bit of very soft leather, making <laughs> making false false covers for her for her nipples that I can stick on her, so that you can't see. If you look closely, you can see that she's actually got little leather leather covers I've, stuck over her nipples. I've never I've watched that so many times. I've never thought about it. I've never noticed you it. Couldn't make it up. You know, so I've just got them dry enough to be able to stick on her at about half past six in the morning. Oh wow! No, no, I. <laughs> I remember standing there saying, I didn't actually stick them on, the makeup artist stuck them on, I just made them. But so I was explaining it to somebody and, and, and afterwards, and, and, they, and he said, it's a hard life, John, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody's got to do it. <laughs> I was saying that actually it showed it was a hard life, what you actually have to do, even at the last minute. Or... <laughs> yeah, the last no, there's never any please everybody there's never any excuse for not having things on the set at the right time oh. there's no excuse so you've just got to do it yeah oh, that leads nicely on to my next question what did you find were the challenges of your jobs uh scheduling mm. basically um yeah. scheduling and budgeting you know not wasting money but spending money in the right places and Things are not done in sequence. No, you know, yeah. obviously one of the things you have so, to take on. So yeah, uh, <laughs> yes, yes, continuity. You know, it's so easy to get that wrong. I have a, I have a lovely story about continuity um, on the Bounty, ah. Mel Gibson and Anthony Hopkins, and you know what I mean. I'm sure when I say, or well, does it still exist? In uh, what, what we always called the Bible. Which yes, was it does still exist. Continuity, yeah. continuity yeah. book that, and I always insisted that everybody just used the one book. You didn't have, you know, so, so your your continuity Polaroids in those days were stuck in on the right page at the right time, but so everybody knew you were all working from the same, same book. The same book, and we were out on the bounty in the Pacific Ocean with the Bible, obviously. <laughs> Sailors up here and running there and doing all the thing and doing oh, it. Yeah, and that's one day and that's the next. And now you're in the, now you're crossing the equator mm. and now you're going around the horn and all everything, you know, and changing costumes all the time and doing things. <clears throat> and then finishing work at night, getting off the ship onto a small supply ship to go back to Morea, which is the island that we were moored off and staying on in the South Pacific. Oh, wow. And, one of the my colleagues working with me had it and he going down the ladder he dropped it into the sea oh. can you imagine that so idiot john dives straight in oh gosh gets it <laughs> i rescued it and i was saying that i thought Soggy. sharks sharks hang on <laughs> what am i doing <laughs> Um, got it back on the boat. I mean, it's a very small boat, so that was no problem. I mean, the bounty big, was big. You know, I didn't dive off the bounty. I was already on the other. And I made the poor boys sit up all night with a hairdryer, blowing through every single page. And I said, <gasps> if they're not absolutely perfect, six o'clock in the morning, I'm sending you home. Oh. <laughs> and they were, of course. 
it was fine yes so continuity yeah but <laughs> now you've had you've i mean you're i didn't actually mention you're both retired now um but oh. pro you i think john you retired you said 13 years ago i think your last uh, film was last, in 2009 last, last, well the last thing i did was um solomon kane which was mm. a follow-up of the um but you know, it was by the same author as the Conan the Barbarian stories. Ah. Um, kind of was why I got the job. I've done some uh, educational things since then. So a couple of lectures in universities and um, sessions in universities, you know, and projects in universities. But the last thing as a film was that, ah. Solomon Kane. And that was 2008, I think. So it's yeah. 13 years ago now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When did you feel like it was the right time to like to sort of retire or kind of wind down your career well then really um when nobody offered you a job <laughs> no I, <laughs> I can't remember i i, I did find I, I found solomon kane very hard work it was tough i mean it was we, we, we were based in prague and it was all over winter i mean it really was cold uh, mm. i got burgled twice too which didn't help and, oh um, and no. right at the end uh, somebody stole my portfolio all the drawings then i don't have a single drawing i've never seen them in anything so they didn't get you they just got binned obviously Aww. i mean it was my apartment was burgled and my, such a shame. Um, and and so i was sort of feeling a bit disillusioned about the whole thing and also tired so i didn't want to do anything for a bit and then i and then thought no come on it you, it it takes a, a lot of energy mm. a lot of energy you've got i know you've got it and it's prolonged energy I'm not, I'm not just talking about loading the truck. I'm talking about emotional energy and um, oh, dealing with personalities. Dealing with people. Yeah, all of that. It, it, there's a lot of energy. And I just yeah. felt like it wasn't up to From it, the executive frankly. to actors. To and the a couple crowd. of times I was tempted. Um, you know, Kevin Cosner was doing a, a, a cowboy thing in Europe. And I, I thought, oh, come on, John. And, I, and then I thought, hang on, yeah, he's going to be in, it's going to be winter again. I'm not doing that again. No, <laughs> no. I, I, so I said, I'm sorry, Kevin, can't do it. Have you missed being part of that world? And then have you kind of kept in the loop of what's going on? Or has it, you've kind of... Um, I'm not going to say no, but not as much as you might think. I mean, the, the, the thing that uh, interests us most at the moment is look, looking at things and, and they're being done by Anne's students. <laughs> you know, oh, you think, oh, that's lovely. You know, you look, you look at Paul Dark, and it's being done by Anne's, uh, one of Anne's favourite students, Howard Burton, um, and I mean, yeah, things, things like that. that. My mark on them, part of it. No, no, no. But, uh, so we're she's always looking at it, saying, "Oh, that's one of mine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> one of my students." <laughs> <laughs> that must be lovely. That must be a lovely feeling, though. Well, it's nice to see people well, being it's successful. Just a question yes. of still feeling. Yeah. You exist, I suppose, mm. as yes. opposed to just being old yes. age pensioner. <laughs> I was, I was. I mean, talking about talking about Howard, uh, he was doing Poldark last year, and of course, we, we did the original Poldark yes. many years ago. Um, so that that was interesting conversation as how times change. Um, I mean, the thing I realised about how times have changed is the whole um, the whole change in in, in technology. You know, mm. the fact that oh, yeah. that. Um, you know, if I'd get a phone call from somebody in Los Angeles talking about something, and I'd say, um, "Well, okay, I'll, I'll, yes, I'll think about that, and I'll, I'll put something in. I'll, I'll federally express something to you. You should have it in about ten days' time." Whereas now, you know, they want to see what you're doing on screen instantly. Yeah, you know, I, I was, I was involved with a 
thing a few years ago now, well, about five years ago, I think, at the VNA, and Lindy Hemming was involved. I think. Oh yeah. Uh, well, you, I know she's been thought. a guest. Yeah. yeah. So we were on stage and talking, and I, I realised I was talking that there was me as a this old bloke. There was Lindy, who was a sort of middle-aged woman, and then there was I think was it Sammy Sheldon. She was one of your students, wasn't yeah. she? Yeah. yeah. I think. She, um, and and we were talking about the differences, you know, the, of working now and working when I was doing it, you know, and 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 everything we said, mine was, all sounded so much more homely and um, personal and, you yeah, know, the, 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 fa the fact off, that now I, I thought I couldn't do that job now because I need time to think. I don't, I can't come up with instant solutions. And uh, I've got to think of the whole, I think they're always being forced to, you know, yeah. think as fast as the director's thinking, you know. Well, and you've it's, not, it's not that, it's, do it's the whole thing. I wonder if it was also technology has mm. like things like yes. this, for example, internet. Well, of course, they'll send yes. designs. Yes. yes, yes, but I mean, you know, you could well be a director in Los Angeles, you know, and I could be yeah. having this conversation now, having having read the script last night, you know, and having. Yeah. They would almost expect it the next yes. night. I yeah, think. that's I'll the thing. Up all night, do something, produce something. Absolutely, because well, or, you know, they're already. Yeah. I should be showing you a drawing now on screen, you know. Yeah. Sending, sending it, yes, yes. So, uh, I mean, in that way, I thought, no, I don't miss it at all. You know, I mean, I, I the technology I remember, particularly about um, Conan the Barbarian, was that all the, the instructions from the directors and the assistant directors to the people up on the map was all done with semaphore flags. <laughs> we did it in semaphore. I mean, seriously. <laughs> It's so interesting, isn't it? The way that kind of special effects, visual effects has yeah, changed. I mean, how and, and it was even just as Polaroid cameras were coming in and you didn't, you know, that, that was technical. You didn't do that. You sat there doing continuity drawings. drawings. I would sit there on the set. Yes, drawing his collar to, was up. His yeah. second button was undone. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> continuity <laughs> drawings. I mean, I can't even think, how would you have even had the time for something like that? I, I, it's called 24 hours a day <laughs> well i mean i'm not i'm not talking about wonderful finished drawings but no you know, you but still even just a simple sketch you know, oh yeah so when they're ha when yeah. the director's having his <laughs> dinner yes <laughs> you're working yeah. and in terms of um you both of you working together what was the has been the highlight of your like your collective career together on things you've worked together has there been one standout moment well, probably the years from 1961 yeah, till 2020 are probably the best. Okay. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> best. Best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> That's lovely. That's really lovely. I, I was very much in the background, you know, but it's like, almost like teacher looking at his pupil all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and saying, gosh, jolly good, he's doing well. He's got his first class honours. <laughs> I can't actually think of a standout moment, not really, no. No. Yeah, I just thought of something. <laughs> um, going right back to the six fives of Henry VIII. Yeah, I mean, and it was, a, it was a huge success. Mm. And um, they did an exhibition of the costumes at the Victoria and Albert Museum. Mm. So a one-off exhibition of just the costumes so me at the age of 26 or something yeah. 
had got my own exhibition at the Victorian Albert Museum. It must I mean, have been it, a mate proud. Know, that, yeah. that is something, whoa, you know, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, for the knobs <coughs> to actually anyway, acknowledge TV, you know, I, because they're still a bit snobbish about it all the, until um, that came along. <laughs> the Queen Mother, oh, yeah. if you remember the Queen Mother, oh, yeah. wanted oh, to go and see the exhibition. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she yeah. clearly enjoyed the uh, television show then, didn't yes, she? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I was, I was deputed to take her round. So, <gasps> um, and uh, we had to, uh, I had to wait on the main staircase at the V&A to meet her on the landing. And, <laughs> and her, her entourage brought her up and, and we were presented. And uh, I was being sort of handled, if you like, by a man called Peter Dimmock who was quite a big name television presenter and was head of BBC Enterprises, yeah. which is a BBC outside stuff. Oh. So there was me and Peter Dimmock waiting on the stairs and up comes the entourage and introduced and I bow my head and all that sort of thing taken. And we walked together up the stairs and chatting very nicely, just the two of us. And she's lovely. Peter Dimmock walking behind and, and her page boy, page and lady, um, what do you call it? Lady in waiting. waiting. <laughs> Behind her, just so just the four of us went <clears throat> upstairs into the exhibition, looking around. And almost the first thing I see, I should have gone in and checked beforehand, all the lights on, all beautifully done and everything like that, was the first cod piece on Henry VIII. Do you know what a cod piece is? Yes. <laughs> I can see it's all crooked. <laughs> so I said, oh, well, and, and started fiddling just with the piece. <laughs> and Peter Dimmock said, you can't do that. <laughs> and she looked at me, I, I looked down and smiled and said, oh yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> and we all laughed. Aww. <laughs> yeah, so that's it. Charming as ever. Not many people have stories like that. No, that's pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty cool to have your own exhibition as well. That's another thing. Oh, amazing. And it well, went around the, the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like all around the world. <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 in um, Sydney, in Auckland, New Zealand, in Hong Kong, in, uh, oh, ridiculous. Just ridiculous. Do they, have they, the VNA kept them in their archive or are they back in the Well, BBC? I mean, the, the, uh, uh, the, the sad thing is the way we made them, uh, I was on a tiny budget. I mean, really, even, you know, Titus was small. Um, everything was done. We, we hand-painted everything. I, I bought tons of um, cotton velveteen from a shop called Borovics in Berwick Street yeah. in, in London. And mm -hmm. everything was dyed. The patterns on. And then we, using doilies, if you can picture doilies, <laughs> Paper doilies. Uh, oh, I was going to ask the paper ones. Yeah, mouth yeah. spraying through paper doilies to make patterns on the fabric. This oh, is what wow. we did. And and I would, uh, using dark ink, for dark colours, but bleach to get a highlights. So every single costume is actually painted with neat bleach. Ah. You can imagine. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> People always say to me, does it? I said, no, it doesn't exist. Oh, <laughs> They, they were they were built to self-destruct and disintegrate slowly yeah. it's, it's it's very interesting whenever we go around the big costumiers and you, and you suddenly say oh that's one of mine you know and you're looking and think oh my god how did they get that you know i've seen the, uh, a, a lot in america but i mean in, in angels now i i 
Yes, but they're all, also... I they're, know where they are, where they'll be. Yes, yeah. they're torn apart, aren't they? You know, oh, there's breeches yes. there, coats yes, yes, there, yes, yes, yes. undershirts there, yeah, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, hoods there, hats yeah. there. You just might there, suddenly yeah. <laughs> recognise yeah. something on a rail, mm. yes. I mean, it's quite interesting having grand, <clears throat> grandkids. I mean, now they're all grown up, but um, watching with grandchildren 10, 20 years ago, um, the children's television and... Uh, stuff coming up all the time in horrible oh. histories. Like that. Oh, that's mine. That's one of mine. I'm a, a look at that oh, jacket. That jacket with that. <laughs> oh, that's really nice. That's really nice. I guess it's one of the really nice things about um, our industry is that you sort of have a legacy, especially with what you do. You have a legacy in that way that's always yeah, going to be yeah, there, yeah. and yeah. seeing your work. Yes. Yes. I mean, lovely. it always gives us a slight kick, you know, when you see a, yeah. a film on television. You know, see Robin Hood at Christmas or. Water worlds that people can laugh at it. Um, <laughs> or the mummy coming up all the time, you know. Okay, so uh, now to the final question, which is what are your to watch recommendations? Well, I thought it would be easy. And then when we actually started <laughs> to think about it, <laughs> it got a bit complicated. As far as we're both concerned, there's a film called A Matter of Life and Death with David <laughs> Niven, made in 1946. And it came up on television a couple of weeks ago. And it's been Anne's favourite film all her life. And curiously, um, she said, I, I want to see it again. I want to see it again. And I actually bought her a DVD for Christmas and we hadn't watched it. And then it was on, it was on, I can't remember one of the channels, but it, it came on. And so we thought, oh, we'll watch it. And, you know, a David Niven film, you think, oh, it's going to be a romantic, uh, you know, not, not a drama by any means, just a sort of romantic, probably a romantic comedy. But it's such a powerful film. It is actually it's, about death. Uh, it is about death, absolutely mm -hmm. is. And, and we watched it. I was totally gripped. I've always thought, oh, matter of life and death, that's a, you know, what's that about? Because we, we both saw it when we were kids, basically. It mm -hmm. came out, it was, it was made in, 19, it came out in 1946. But actually, the whole thing about it, the whole story, the, um, the quality of the cinematography, when you think it was made be way before the days of computer-generated images or anything, it's so believable. I, I defy anybody watching the first five minutes not to be in floods of tears. Oh. Seriously, seriously. It, I mean, it's, it's set in the war, obviously. Oh. It is, well, I'm not going to spoil it, but, anyway, but it is quite horrifying. And, and I know it sounds silly, but I, I, it has a great relevance to people now. I mean, politically, philosophically poetically, oh, and, and the cinematography, and it's actually done by Jack Cardiff, who we did work with on a couple of, you know, shows how old we are. <laughs> <laughs> he did Matter of Life yeah. and Death, but he also worked on a couple of films we did in the 80s, um, pretty much his last stuff. Uh, it's just a beautiful, amazing work. And when you think that, the, you know, the, the technology that they just didn't have and how they achieve it it's it's brilliant i i think oh. um sort of on the same sort of lines i would then go for um, a japanese film made in 1957 called the throne of blood oh, which is actually the story of macbeth it's oh. macbeth in japanese and i, I, I say all well, I, it, it came out in 1957 and I went going to see it in the Cinephone Cinema in Birmingham when I was 18, when I was pretending to be an intellectual, as one does at 18, <laughs> <laughs> just to try and impress people. It didn't really, didn't really much good impressing you, did it? Um, Turn of Blood, in, a, a literal translation from the Japanese is actually a spider's web castle. And that really sums it up. It's a wonderful mixture of magic and reality and the witches and, oh God, and, and, and the cinematography, I would say the same, the same sort of thing as I'm saying about a matter of life and death. 
So these are two very old movies. The worst um, scene. One made in 1947, the other made in 1946. So, and, you know, everybody says, oh, we don't want to watch those, watch them. Can I have The Wizard of Oz? <laughs> <laughs> For sure, of course you can. Hang on, how many are we allowed? That's our three then. Right, we, we, we can go home now. <laughs> no, no, say all of, say it, no, 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 go on, go on. So coming up to more modern films, now I'm talking about, uh, you know, 1980. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to some of your own. Well, <laughs> OK, I'm going to say, I mean, when I was talking about matter of life and death, and I was talking about the lack of CGI and all that sort of thing, we actually made Conan the Barbarian in 1980, came out in 1981. Again, with no, you know, we had big crowds, you know, thousands of people and big stuff, really big stuff to do. And we were using semaphore flags and loud hailers and, you know, nothing, <laughs> absolutely nothing. And towards the end of the film, um, we, had, we built this great set up, uh, on the side of a mountain in southern Spain. Uh, and it's the temple of the mountain of power. <laughs> and John Melius, as I said, he wanted 2,000 extras walking up the hill, being priests going on the, um, yes, you know, you imagine that at five o'clock. <laughs> yes. But we actually couldn't find 2,000 in, 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 um, in southern Spain at that time yeah. to do it. It feels so like I an made, unfathomable number hundreds, even now. I made hundreds of cardboard cutouts because they were all priests, they were all dressed in white robes. And people were going up the hill carrying, carrying a cardboard priest. cutout. <laughs> and I want you, I want people to look at it and look at that and say, oh my God, yes. <laughs> so I'm saying that that's before, before the days of computer. Oh. <laughs> All that. Um, right, there's, there's, I've got two left. Um, one, The Mummy Returns, Rachel Weiss and um, Brendan Fraser. <laughs> Yes. And I think The Mummy Returns, not The Mummy, or even though I think The Mummy's a bit of film, but simply going along with the sort of theme that I'm having of, um, ha ha you know, what it means for our job when you, when you have to do everything for real, um, the sword fight between the two princesses. Ah, yes. Pharaoh's daughter, Rachel Weiss, and the Pharaoh's concubine, Patricia Velasquez. And they have about two and a half, three minutes of, of, a, of a, a dagger jewel um, dan dancing around. But actually, from our point of view, just thinking of what we have to do in our work, and then, you know, you, you, you'll know all about this. Um, it doesn't mean just two people at all. You know, we had Rachel Weisz and Patricia Velasquez, the two, um, the two stars, but we also had dancers, double dancers, double acrobats double stunt people and double stand-ins, wow. all dressed obviously. And the both of them were in masks. And because of the things they all had to do, those masks have to be really, really proper fitting. So we had to do plaster face casts of every single one. So every dancer, every acrobat, every <laughs> stunt person you know, oh, had, to have, had to have masks. But end up and, and look they, like her. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, so look at it from that point of view. And, I can, and it's quite interesting. You can actually see the slightly different shapes of the masks, you know, when suddenly they, you'll see somebody will jump into shot. And, and if you, you know what you're looking at, I obviously know exactly what I'm looking for. I say, oh yeah, look, she's the acrobat. She was the stunt person. Oh, wow. Um, and I think we, to, to do with the, to cover the three minutes of those two outstanding stars, um, they worked so hard, those two. They really did. You'd see them every day in the month before we shot that. They were working at it, working at every minute. They really worked hard. Mm. Wow. I think in total, we made 16 costumes. 
not, wow. not each one, 16 in together, 16. We didn't make 16 marks, masks because the two stands in didn't need doubles. But I think we made something like 12 masks and 16 costumes for them um, so that we had them instantly available as soon as they could change shots. And we and we did the whole thing in one day. Wow. Anne was actually working as well, as well as working on, on that. She was also doing uh, lecturing at Wimbledon School of Art, which is the theatre school. And we needed so much help for that. She brought in as a, as, um, a couple of days um, training for her students. I think we brought in 12 of your students to come and help. Oh, wow. It was fantastic. It was fantastic for them. Wow. Uh, So, oh, and the the, one funny one at the end um, Waterworld, the infamous Ah. Waterworld, made in 1995. It it came up on television a couple of weeks ago. I would not have ever thought of putting Waterworld in uh, into my list of things, but we watched it. And the first thing that absolutely jumped out at me is that Dennis Hopper playing the evil uh, deacon. Have you ever seen the film? I feel like it rings a bell. I feel like I may have watched it well, a fair few years well, ago. He is the dead spit of Donald Trump. Not physically. <laughs> oh, and when I say Donald Trump, I mean Donald Trump before he gets up in the morning. So before he puts uh. his wig on. Because <laughs> um, yeah, he's bald. Phys- you don't need he is, it is. No, it is visually as well as... as no, I don't as, get that. As well as uh, Dennis Hopper's... Or the it's character, the character Deacon, his attitude, his attitude to the camera, the way he talks to the camera, his vocabulary, and also his makeup is absolutely no. uh, until until he gets his eyes taken out and all that sort of thing. <laughs> story. So I mean, that, so just for that, just to look at him and say, "Oh my God, is it all my fault that Trump decided to be like that?" <laughs> um, but the reason I started thinking about Waterworld was just again the same way as I was talking about all the costumes for um, *The Mummy Returns*. Was Kevin Cosner? We'd been working setting it all up for ages, and we were going to shoot the thing. We built this um, floating set in the Pacific Ocean, off the coast of Big Island, Hawaii. Wow! Um, month after month after month, and we set the whole Brilliant. thing up. It, mm. it was. It, I mean, it, it was an experience. Mm, <laughs> Certainly that. About a month before we started shooting, uh, Kevin came to me and said, John, uh, look, I've got this shell. My daughter found the shell on the beach. You know, I'd really like to use it as an earring. <laughs> I thought, oh, goodness. Oh, no. <laughs> so I said, okay, Kevin, do you want me to make an appointment for you? And he said, what? Make an appointment for what? And I said, to have your ears pierced. <laughs> I'm not having my ear pierced. I don't want. I, I said, well, how can you know this? It's called Waterworld. You're going to be in and out the water all the time. It's high action stuff with a great shell on your ear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll make it work. We'll make it work. So I took this shell. And he, wouldn't, he wouldn't have his ears. He wouldn't pierced. have his ears pierced. No. He would not. But he mm. was desperate. He says, if I'll lose it, I'll lose it. <laughs> so we, I, I can say I, but I did some. But we actually made. 30 of these shells we, you know we made casts you you know exactly oh, yes <laughs> we made 30 of them and during the course of the shooting we actually lost 19 <gasps> so oh. you know i was just towards the end getting a bit panicky thinking oh god i've got to start making some more um, but we actually got through we only lost 19 in the whole thing um, we that's got pretty good and, but and it, it, it is yeah. very good when you yeah. look and see what it does uh, and it's, it's it's just in his left ear uh, so only one thank goodness he didn't want to wear two <laughs> <laughs> so you know just yes. uh, if you're interested in our sort of work i mean it's a funny thing to look for and you, you see it and you, you <laughs> say, oh goodness it's yes, funny it's 
Yeah, I think it's uh, funny what we remember from jobs that we've worked on versus you, people yeah. watching would never have thought someone no, over there has had to think about making this earring 30 no, times cool. just because he wants to. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah, that's exactly. I mean, that's exactly and they shouldn't. They no, shouldn't. No, they shouldn't. Yeah, they shouldn't. Yeah, they shouldn't. <laughs> and, and, if, and if there's any feeling that that comes up in... in it's in, wrong. In, in, then yes. it's wrong. I mean, uh, we, we hate watching our films coming up because all we ever see is the, the mistakes. The mistakes. Yes. Always, yes, always. of course. No, yeah, naturally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's our life in pictures really oh <laughs> thank you john and anne for your recommendations and thank you so much for coming on the podcast i really really have enjoyed talking to you both it's been really okay. really really nice okay thank you thank you for listening and i hope you enjoyed my conversation with john and anne tune into the next episode where i speak to offline and online editor jamin amin and as always if you get a moment could you please like follow or subscribe on your podcast platform thank you